Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 428 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is student-led media, and our guest is Laura very close. It's Lyra. Lyra. Hannah Regan. <laughs> Lyra published an article in the Daily Caller in 2023 titled Media Politicians Chronically Misled on the Number of Mass Shootings Data Analysis Show. Mm-hmm. Lyra is a student. Lyra <laughs> is a student attending Arizona Christian University, double majoring in political science and communications with a minor in biblical studies. She is the founder and editor-in-chief of Stronghold Media, ACU's student-led press and media club. She is currently studying under Dr. George Berna Mm -hmm. of the Cultural Research Center. Lyra is a Liberty and Learning Fellow for the Fund for American Studies, where she interned with the Daily Caller this summer. Congratulations on that. And welcome to the show, Lyra. And I apologize. Yes, Lyra, could you- Could you connect me with that communications uh, major thing? (laughs) You're good. You're good. It happens all the time. Um, Thank you so much for having me, Cheryl and Dan. Like, seriously, such a big opportunity, and I'm really thankful. So really happy to be here. We are excited as well. So, you know, you are very unique for your age group right? Um, Because, you know, I don't know how old you are, but I can, I have eyes and I can tell that you are quite a bit younger than Dan and I, (laughs) who are grandparents now. So, um, but you even wrote a blog about being a young conservative living in a blue state. Mm -hmm. And I just want to unpack that a little bit. What makes you so strong in your beliefs that you can kind of stand against this cultural tide that seems to say that if you're under a certain age, that that you are prescribed certain belief systems. Right. So it's actually interesting. So I'm 21. Um, I was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, which is, I like to call it California 2.0 at this point. Um, they really are trying to be as liberal as can be, and I'm not really a big fan of it, which is why I'm here in Arizona, and it's great. Um, but I was a closet conservative till 2016. Um, that was like the time of President Trump and his election. I was just kind of very enamored and overwhelmed with a bunch of misinformation that was being thrown around, and I was like, okay, I've had enough. Um, I became a lot more vocal, um, but yet I was still very shy about my beliefs, so I didn't really know uh, how to really 
say what I wanted to say and uh, really where to start doing research. So it, it wasn't until I wrote that article where I was like, okay, you know what? It's time. It's time to make a stand. That was in 2020, I believe. And uh, that was when the peak of COVID was happening. All of this stuff was going on. And it was funny because I appeared on a Hawaii show like PBS uh, Hawaii. And there was a article I wrote before that. And it was about vaccinations and how at the time I was like, oh, we should all encourage each other to have vaccinations. And then COVID happened and I was like, oh, wait, 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 hold on. This is, <laughs> I would like to backtrack on that for a little bit. Um, and so uh, that gave me an awareness to really understanding and emphasizing the importance of doing your own research and asking yourself those critical questions. I'm not just believing everything at face value. And so that was kind of where I was and where I am today. And another big part of what makes me very confident in what I believe in is my Christian faith. I believe that it informs my beliefs and stances on political issues. Um, God is very firm in scripture about sin. He does not change his anger towards it. And so I believe that as Christians, we need to be able to speak truth in love and engage with politics. Because I think oftentimes uh, Christians my age or Christians um, in this culture, especially in America, we're too comfortable. Like we're too busy sitting down and just kind of watching everybody else figure it out when really, no, we need to be able to pick ourselves up and engage culture and transform culture with truth. That's a big mantra here at ACU. Um, they transform us. Um, they equip us with um, the resources and the skills necessary to go out there and to um, further God's kingdom, really. And so that also includes um, being firm in the political sphere and um, letting scripture and letting God's word speak into that. So, yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And, you know, it, when God's on your side, right, who can come against you? Mm -hmm. And that certainly helps strengthen a, a resolve and a, a backbone. And mm -hmm. I wish that more of our elected officials um, could tap into that kind of strength and, and power and power and personal resolve that you are describing having at the age of 21, because it really feels like on the conservative side of things, you know, left of center, uh, right of center, rather, mm -hmm. pardon me. Um, man, it feels like we, we get wiggly in the spine so easily. And I think oh. it's because of the, the cultural type of, of backlash mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's, it, it's frustrating to watch, but I, one thing I wanted to ask about in your article is before you came over to the mainland, mm -hmm. right? When you were still living in Hawaii, yes, you were um, apprehensive that once you got to the mainland, there was going to be discrimination um, cast upon you mm -hmm. and you, uh, the culture had told you, had filled your mind full of maybe some fearful messages yeah. about what kind of people you were going to experience over here. And I'm just curious, like, how did that play out for you? Yeah. So, um, Hawaii is very much a melting pot diversity, a lot of different races, which I'm so, I'm so blessed to be able to be a part of that and to experience different cultures all at the same time. Um, getting here, uh, some of the comments I had back in 2020 were like, oh, you're going to be surrounded by a lot of white people. And I was just like, very aware of that. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, is that a problem? Is that an issue? Um, but okay, cool. And 
coming to ACU, I was not really excited either. I was just like, I just chose this college out of the blue. Don't know what I'm really getting myself into. And no one I knew came to this school. So I was just going in completely blind and not really knowing what to expect. Um, And then I remember going to my first class here at ACU. And it was uh, our LIA class, which is community, culture, and like faith commitments. And um, that was where we learn what a biblical worldview is and learning how to apply that in every aspect of our lives. And that was when I was like, oh, wait, I'm in the right place. God told me to be here. This is amazing. I love it. Um, And so the apprehension is definitely gone. I, I think that I've definitely let influence from where I was in Hawaii and my my friends um I love them but liberal friends um kind of influenced my intentions with coming here and so yeah I I think it's it's been definitely a blessing and being here at Arizona Christian in itself has been so wonderful um being surrounded by like-minded individuals and Christian conservatives um who are just as excited if not pumped to also engage culture with truth so it's been exciting That's awesome. And I'm so happy that, um, you had a positive experience, um, positive personal experience Mm -hmm. to kind of break those chains of, you know, well, what does it mean to be surrounded by a bunch of people that are, you know, maybe not like me? Well, maybe we don't look the same, but if we believe the same, you know, our values are the same. I think that is ultimately the most important what do you mean she was surrounded by people not like her in hawaii they were all liberals and she's not a liberal right i I mean that's true right you survived that you can survive anything yeah in that uh in that article i talked about 9-11 and obviously like um during that time it was like right when president trump was being a little bit a little chaotic per his style and so I was like oh gosh 9-11 like America I'm so thankful to be here dressed up in my red white and blue had my MAGA hat on walked through public school like was thinking this is not a big deal like y'all are wearing drugs and sex on your shirts Mm -hmm. like we I'm fine but I got the nastiest glares from everybody and I sat down with my friends and I was like hey guys what's up and they all looked at me like huh and then they were like you need to take that off like right now you're gonna get you're gonna get egged on or something like that and I was just like no I'm not like why can't I wear something that I believe in if everybody else can wear whatever their culture says like why can't I wear what I believe in and they were like no because we're worried for you you're gonna get like hated on I was like but I'm not you're the ones kind of hating right now so that's fantastic like you said you could wear uh, shirts with drugs on them and everything else but yet you're they're offended by an american setup you know, mm-hmm. you know i wanted to to comment on something and get your take before we move on to um an article that that you wrote that i really want to dig into but you know you said it's great to be around a lot of like-minded people mm-hmm. what what and i agree with that but what is the difference cuz i think there is between being around like-minded people that have a similar value base Versus being in a bubble, because, you know, I, being in a bubble kind of precludes being able to be free, right? There's, there's that, that barrier. 
I mean, do you feel like that those are two different things or are they really more synonymous? I think that can be synonymous because I, I often use the two terms interchangeably of like, yeah, we're a group of like-minded individuals. And um, I've talked about it with my friends often about how ACU kind of is a bubble for us and that um, our school is very different in that we're allowed to have free speech. We're allowed to have um, civil discourse in our classes. Like if we have pushback, we're allowed to have that discussion and um, be able to think through our thoughts clearly as universities should be able to encourage, but unfortunately not for many. Um, and so um, being in DC for the summer, which I'm pretty sure we can touch upon later, um, I got to take classes at George Mason University as well. And so that was a total different switch because I've been here in conservative Christian college, now jumped to completely secular college and kind of seeing the difference between the two. I think that as much as I appreciate being in the ACU bubble, oftentimes it gives us kind of this like, at least for me, and this is something that I've called myself out on is kind of like this holier than thou type of uh, attitude, but going into secular university and trying out a couple classes, I've been humbled a lot, just kind of understanding that, you know, they're also coming from a place where they don't really have that foundation, mm. but what's beneficial about being in this bubble and being surrounded by a community that believes the same things that you do is that you're able to talk about it amongst each other and be able to equip each other really with the proper resources, be able to talk through your ideas and supporting one another. Because here at ACU, we are conservative Christians. That is a big, big minority in itself. And so for us to kind of put ourselves in these positions, we're not as timid or we're not as shy to be um, kind of just take those hits and take those punches from secular people or from liberals or from people that don't believe the same things that we do because we're equipped here in this little bubble to be able to push back against that but also with grace and with mercy and with love um, is also something that I emphasize but um, yeah that's kind of my 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 take on that. Oh that was really interesting because I usually think of the you know being in a bubble as a negative thing. Mm. But if I think if you just stay in the bubble and just, you know, have group think and, you know, bottle mm -hmm. head each other. Oh yes. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And then you don't go and apply that outside of the bubble that I think is why it has a negative connotation, but mm -hmm. you clearly like you're getting fueled up, right? You're, you're exploring your ideas. You're solidifying your ideas in the safety of the bubble, but then mm -hmm. you go outside of it. Uh -huh. and and test your theories and and um help spread the word uh, so so i have a quick laura so so you're saying in the conservative schools that you're challenged with your thoughts and and it makes you stronger yeah. but on the liberal side when you were attending a liberal school they don't challenge their the people there they they kind of just agree with them so the classes I took were with the Fund for American Studies, and the Fund for American Studies is an organization that is more so for the free market, more conservative, center-right-ish ideas, mm -hmm. and so um, the professors were more geared towards that. Um, with the classes I took, um, thankfully, I didn't have, like, professors that were super gung-ho on, like, whatever their political opinion were was. They kept that relatively reserved unto themselves, which yeah. I appreciated, yes. but with the students in itself, um, I took a foreign policy class this summer, 
And we were talking about American exceptionalism and how that influences foreign policy. And uh, my professor kind of just threw out a random question. Well, not random, but a question. And he goes, so American exceptionalism, is that a myth to you guys? And I raised my hand and I was like, no, 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 no. I, I think that is completely false. I took an American exceptionalism class at my college and we got to learn how faith influences our founding. We got to learn how America is has been great because of the principles that we have, our constitution, our bill of rights, and how we're able to use that 200 years later, up until this very day. And you don't see that in other countries. And um, the, the, the glares I got from students, they were like, oh, we know where she stands. And I even added myself. It's like, yeah, I'm a conservative and this is what I believe and why I believe it. And my professor was like, hmm, a conservative. And oh my gosh. And everybody was laughing. And I was just like, I know, like, don't, don't hurt me. Um, but he was like, okay, that's a really interesting point of view. And um, it kind of ended at that. But I do know that a lot of students, like fellow program people, kind of just were like, okay, we're not going to talk to her. Like mm. she's. And that's too bad. Different breed. Well, was, yeah. You can, you can learn from conversations and, and debates. You can't, mm -hmm. you know, they're not going to learn anything. They're just going to be, they're going to go by what they're told or what the media tells them. Yeah. And that, that's really sad. Experiencing that and experiencing you and the humor that you delivered it, I know that's going to cause cognitive dissonance in their minds and they're going to go back to that multiple times i think god's going to use that so yeah no it was it was interesting because same same day that happened uh, i made a friend who was part of my program and she is the opposite of me like liberal as can be like pro-abortion pro like this left and right and i was like whoa but we also are still really good friends. I was like, see, this can work. We could be friends and we could have hard conversations and disagree, but we could still, at the end of the day, see each other as people made in God's image and be friends like that and to love one another in that way. And so I think that coming from a faith perspective too, that shares a lot more of the gospel than just straight up just being in your own bubble. And so to, to re reiterate your point, yeah, I, I absolutely agree that you can't just stay in your bubble. Like, that's something that I felt almost kind of, like, sad about was that I didn't have a bubble back when I was little and going through school. Granted, I had my church, but, um, you know, in school, I was mainly alone, didn't had no one to believe the same things as I did, or I didn't find any. And so coming here and having this bubble... Um, what's nice is that everybody pushes you to get out of the bubble. They're like, no, you need to leave. You need to take what you learn here and apply it everywhere else. So that's awesome. Yeah. So Lyra, you wrote an article that I am super excited to dive into. It was in the daily caller. Um, it was from August 13th, 2023. And we are in the studio on Tuesday, September 12th of 2023. I like to kind of let people know where in time we are because these live online forever. Right. And it's titled, as Dan said in the, the lead in, um, that data analysis shows basically that media politicians chronically mislead on a number of mass shootings. And more than 97% of mass shootings that have occurred, mass shootings in air quotes, mind you, 
that have occurred in the United States in the first six months of 2023, they don't fit the active shooter type scenario that is driving a majority of new legislative proposals. Uh, the information is found on something called gun violence archives. I think that's a basically an anti-gun fueled group, but you correct me on that. And here's the kicker for me, that stricter gun regulations that are favored by Democrats would only address 38. Now, every every life is important. So every one of those 38 lives um, are valuable and, and our heart breaks for, you know, anytime somebody is is wrongly injured, whether it's with a gun or not. Yeah. Um, but only 38 of the 1,768 people that were killed or injured in shootings would have been impacted at all <clears throat> by this major change in legislation, this major pushback, these major infringements on our Second Amendment rights. The Democrats are saying there's this epidemic out there, and really, we're talking about a very small pool of 38 people. This is... I mean, this should be on every single new show on the planet, honestly, but definitely in the United States. So I would really like to to have you talk about, um, you know, this whole experience you had of researching for this article and writing it and what kind of, um, kind of legs has it gotten? I mean, are people using this information? Yeah. Oh. So, um, First off, I the contributor to this article, fortunately, she could not be here, but Ann Brown, uh, she's amazing. She's a fellow intern uh, at the Daily Caller with me during that summer, and she's from UVA. And so just wanted to sh shout her out here, too, because she was such a big help, um, and she also wrote a big portion of that article, and so really thankful for her. Um, we were given this project from the editor-in-chief, Jeff, and um, Jeff was like, hey, there's a statistic flying around let's clarify this. Let's try to do some original reporting. Here's, you know, does anybody want to take this on? And that was my first yes. That was my first yes at the internship. I was like, sure, I'll take on mass shootings. This is going to be exciting. Uh, it took me the whole summer to finally get that article out. And it wasn't even published until after I left the internship, uh, wow. just because it took a lot of time. And uh, we definitely struggled trying to uh, kind of get to the conclusion, which was uh, kind of giving some sort of profile, which is really hard to do, especially for such a big thing like mass shooters. And so when we think of a mass shooting, and this is kind of where we started with the article, was like, when we think of a mass shooting, like we think uh, we think of the elementary school shooting, we think about the uh, Allen, Texas shooting, we think of these crazy people with some sort of ideological propaganda nazi-esque um person but yet what we see from the gun violence archive is that there's over 300 mass shootings and you see a lot of big media outlets being like oh this mass shooting happened by the way over 300 mass shootings have occurred like this is a big number we need to be concerned about that and so um we took it to task, Anne and I, of going through the first six months of 2023, so from January to June, 
and looking at each case that the GVA reported on that was considered a mass shooting. And their definition, they take it from the FBI's def definition of a mass murder, which is four or more shot or killed. Um, and so we looked through each data set that they had, uh, clicked on each case, looked at the different news outlets and what they said, what they reported on. Um, and what we found was of the 335 that we analyzed, four cases fit that media narrative that they're like, oh, this mass shooter, blah, blah, blah. And that was the Allen shooting, the one that took place in Tennessee, um, and two others that I can't really think of at the current moment in time. Um, and that 97%, which is the remaining 331 cases of various altercations, <clears throat> they like were all random drive-bys, gang affiliations. They were outside bars and clubs. It didn't even really matter what state they were in. They were just kind of everywhere. And laws don't really address that. What the laws are saying are, we need stricter gun regulation. We need stricter background checks. But what that only, only impacts is the law-abiding citizens because like someone in a gang is not gonna obey the law like they're just gonna get it illegally and so what the law should be focusing on is that remaining 331 and also the remaining four as well but you know really getting to the source of the problem rather than seeing the big ones and being like oh we need to work on that no we need to consider the remaining 1700 plus lives that are you know unfortunately gone because of bad legislation and because of bad law enforcement um a trend that i saw is like in a lot of like more of the bluer states uh and even red as well a lot of the cases kind of went still under investigation and stuff they don't really know who the shooter was and everything um but what was interesting was that i saw more lack of clarified cases in the bluer states compared to the red. So stick with that what you will. I'm still trying to parse that out and figure out what that means for myself. But um, that's kind of what I found additionally. Um, we had the opportunity to talk to the director, Mark Bryan of the GVA. Um, he pointed out, and we mentioned it in our article that mass shootings only account for 5.6% of their work. So he would rather spend the remaining 95% and having people talk about the remaining 95% than just the 5%. Um, he made it very clear uh, that he tried, He tries to be as bipartisan as possible. He's just here to report the statistics and the numbers. And what it is, is the media and politicians taking his numbers and giving context to that, which, you know, is okay and all. But our point is, if you're going to bring context to it, bring context to it for the truth, not to you know, spruce up your narrative, like trying to bring up about the Second Amendment and about guns. So, yeah, that's my whole case on it. <laughs> well, it's extremely fascinating to me, and I, it absolutely rings with truth mm -hmm. to me. Um, have you seen that that other news organizations and media outlets have said, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for doing all this work for us? let's help share this information. Did it really get out there the way that it should have? No, it's interesting because I, th I think that article got over 700 comments. So there definitely was some discourse, but from what I'm seeing, at least when I check that article every so often, there's no like, oh, repost. There's no like 
sort of retweet on it. And so I, I kind of find that interesting. But I'm also not surprised at the same time. Like, yeah. Just exactly. kind of given the culture. We're back to that bubble again, the bad mm -hmm. bubble, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, let's just keep that quiet. Let's keep that over there because yeah. it disrupts this work we're trying to do to try to tell people that, you know, there's this epidemic and it's just rampant. And, yeah. you know, if we just throw one more law at it, somehow that's going to fix everything. And yeah. we, we know that's not true. Mm -hmm. So off air, you were talking about um, more research that you are curious to do. And um, will this be, you know, just part of your regular studies? Will this be sort of a capstone yeah. uh, portion, maybe a thesis paper? Mm -hmm. Like what, what are you thinking about? What is the research and how are you planning to use it? Yeah. So for, because I were, we, we narrowed it down to just those first six months. I think that it would be a lot more helpful if uh, researchers more experienced in the field than I am um, expanded to previous years, go back in time. And uh, we also interviewed John Lott of the Crime Prevention Research Center. Mm -hmm. Amazing guy. Um, mm -hmm. And he has done an amazing plethora of research that I want to dig into more because I know that he has a lot of good resources in terms of like understanding guns and understanding uh, the causes behind mass shootings and gun violence and all that stuff. And so um, with that said, I'm taking a research and writing class currently this summer, I mean this semester, and uh, we're given free reign to kind of do whatever research question we wanted. And so because I had this article and I was like, ah, oh, I'm not comfortable just sitting at that. I need to do some further digging um, and I want to kind of apply it into gun legislation. And so um, my research question is, does gun legislation, how does gun legislation impact um, gun violence? And so uh, mm -hmm. kind of getting into the differences between concealed carry, open carry laws, uh, how state laws and federal laws apply and everything. And um, if that truly does address the problem of mass shootings. And I'm still trying to figure out more of a narrow hypothesis because that is a really big thing to deal in a span of 16 weeks. And so mm -hmm. um, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm hoping that it's, it's good enough that I feel comfortable to publish it myself um mm -hmm. so we'll have to see and i'll definitely send you the the paper yeah. as soon as it's complete um but yeah I, I think that uh there's a lot of things that can be done still with just those six months because a lot of those cases are still open and so um i think that a lot of it is incomplete but at the same time uh, what we found so far in itself was just shocking that we couldn't not report it so yeah mm -hmm. Well, I know by the time this airs, it'll be, I think, right before the annual gun rights policy conference yeah. week. It's going to be held here in Arizona. So you and I will get to meet each other yes, in person. Yes, I'm so excited. Me as well. And the day before that is a, uh, um, an event called AMCON, Amcon. Yep. which is Second Amendment media folks getting together, workshopping together, mm -hmm. networking together. And what I'm thinking is, you know, you should definitely bring some copies of your daily caller article mm -hmm. and some of your thoughts on what you want to do with research, because this will be a all weekend. You will be with people that that's what we do is we boil things down to mm -hmm. 
its core and what's most usable and what's already been done out there. And I think this is going to be an exciting um, time for you to, to interact with. And if you haven't met Dr. Lott in person, he is almost always at this event. So um, I will personally inter introduce you and be excited to do so. That's so exciting. Yeah. Like talking to the guy, like, I wish we had more time to talk. I was like, keep talking. This is all good information. But we, we were so short on time, which made me really sad. But I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Me too. Um, you so know, if I was young, if I was young again, and I had the brain that like she has, mm -hmm. I would be interested to find out what the effects of no bail uh, mm. has on, on laws, you know, like Albuquerque just now announced that they want to do a 30 day, no guns allowed because the crime is so high, but she had just, they have a no bail, uh, type yeah. whatever program so if you do a crime you don't go to you yeah, know you're you don't, immediately back you're back on the, on the street, street again right. and so it just it just makes them matter and do more crime and more crime and it just be interesting to see what kind of effect that would have yeah that's uh, on states like that you know like illinois they chicago they blame you know they don't they they have really strict gun laws but they blame the other states for not having strict laws too that they're the reason why the guns are rampant in chicago and if they you know the whole goal is the whole goal is just to remove our guns that's they're not going to stop until they do so they're going to give you fake reports they're going to do whatever they're going to influence the media to say yeah. what they need to say just to get their goal is to get rid of the guns yeah. i i don't disagree with that but people like you bring light to a lot of people well, that leads me to my next question, actually, as we start kind of wrapping up here is that, you know, you come from Hawaii, and we know that there, the Second Amendment is all but null and void there, right? It's very yeah. sad that yeah. um, the laws have really come against individual liberties to keep and bear arms. Um, your age group would would tend to, you know, show us that you know, you shouldn't care about the second amendment because culture yeah. told us that you shouldn't and told yeah. you that you shouldn't. Um, talk to us from your own personal perspective. What do you think is the value and importance of that particular amendment? And yeah. the fact that you seem to care about it, how do we reach more young Americans so that they can capture that same spirit? I remember having that question and I'm still like, it is such a big question to think about. Um, I think no matter the way that you interpret the Second Amendment, whether you are in a religionalist or a living constitutionalist, I think we can all agree that self-defense is a right that is necessary. And especially in today's day and age, where there's a lot of crime going outside like I you know being in DC for two months like I I could only carry a pepper spray but I wish I could carry more because of just kind of the the violence that's out there like self-defense is such a necessary thing and I think what what is kind of shoved down throats of my generation is just kind of this fear mongering this you know being afraid of the gun then learning how to properly use it and so um I think for me, I actually 
because of that article and um, my mentor, her husband, her husband works with the NRA and I got to go with them to the NRA shooting range and shoot my first gun for the first time this summer. And it was, it was a Glock. I had such an amazing time. That was so fun. I like framed my first target It's on my wall because <laughs> I just had so much fun with it. But at the same time, they emphasized learning how to use it properly and what is the purpose of having that. And so I think that proper education is needed and necessary, but also understanding that gun violence is not the gun's problem. Yeah. Um, we had a debate over the summer with that program that I was part of, the Fund for American Studies. Um, and we, our topic of debate, which I got to help lead, um, it was, uh, does stricter gun legislation uh, curb gun violence. And I was like, no, I would like to take the no position on this. Uh, so I took the no position. We had a bunch of people that had the yes position and kind of held to that very strongly. But for us on the no's, like we, we all knew we were like, oh, we're fellow conservatives. Hi, welcome. Like, <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, but we all emphasize the importance of traditional values, like having the basis of family and, you know, growing up with your mom and your dad, you know, having morality instilled, having traditional biblical values of learning how to love one another, like, hey, murder is wrong, Ten Commandments mm -hmm. and all that stuff, supporting law enforcement and properly policing crime. I think that's a really good idea that governments should actually kind of implement rather than just kind of letting criminals let loose. I think mm -hmm especially during the time of BLM and when those riots were going on, I think that was absolutely ridiculous of how they kind of were just like, oh, let's just watch it happen. I think that was like, what was the point? What was the point of that? And so um, I think that the Second Amendment today is a lot more important than what our generation makes it out to be. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely think just being a lot more aware and a lot more vocal about it is the number one thing and kind of getting to our generation where it hurts and where it hurts is social media, you know, being a little bit more trendy about it. Like I think turning point USA does a really good job. Uh, young Americans for freedom, uh, all those amazing institutes and organizations that are conservatively based and uh, really support those traditional values have done such an amazing job. Um, but also not just reaching our bubble, but going out of it, actually engaging with culture which is always emphasized for me. So, yeah. Well, those are excellent and thoughtful answers. And I so appreciate that the social media piece is so difficult because we are, you know, demonetized. Mm -hmm. We are, you know, shadow banned. We are yeah. suppressed. I, I shared a, one of my past shows with um, somebody recently uh, who was, you know, just kind of a new friend and I sent him the YouTube link kind of on purpose and he was like, this is such an important topic. This was such a, an amazing conversation. I think it was one of my interviews with jo Dr. John Lott, as a matter mm. of fact. He's like, how does this only have like 14 views or like it was some tiny little number? And I said, yeah, thank you. Exactly. Yeah. I said, because YouTube does not give us any love, does not want these kinds of things talked about. Um, I said now on other platforms that I share our videos, it has many more views. Yeah. Um, but I kind of purposely sent the one to show to make a point that he found all on his own. He's like, wait a minute, 
this has been out there for like two months and you have 14 people that actually clicked in. I'm like, mm-hmm. yep. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. So, and maybe more people have clicked in and we just don't know because, you know, somehow, some way people are getting the message, but, but you're right. It'd be nice if we could more easily hit them in that space, uh, yeah. hit them where it hurts, as you say, but it's, yeah. it is an uphill climb and it'll be your generation that helps make that difference for us. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I think it's always good to have, you know, not just Christian leaders and Christian thought leaders, but also conservative thinkers kind of not necessarily infiltrate. I think I don't think that's the right use of the word, but almost to be in those companies and to work for these people because like, you know, it starts there, you know, yep. change happens within. So um, I'm a, I'm a big believer that no matter what you do, whether, you know, your gun advocate or whatever is if you're a conservative and you have skill sets and anything to utilize those gifts that God has given you um, Mm -hmm. and to really change the tide of where everything is going. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We have to run, but please, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for all you're doing and for all your time. Please tell folks how they can continue to follow all of your work. Yeah. So I've been really slacking on this, but after this, I will be a lot more gung-ho, but my website uh, is lyrapenaregan.com, L-Y-R-A-H, my last name's Adizi, P-A-N-A-R-I-G-A-N.com. Um, and then I post kind of a lot more of my published articles on my Instagram, um, so it's Lyra's Portfolio, and then I also kind of just keep up with my LinkedIn a lot more, so that's just my first and last name, um, but yeah, that's where you can find me for the most part. Um, yeah, it's Fantastic. been a lot of fun and I truly appreciate, uh, and thank you guys so much for allowing me to, to speak. It's been such a fun time. I, I love talking, so <laughs> it's <laughs> well, been really thank good. <laughs> you. We definitely will have you back on again, especially if you're going to dig more deeply into that research you talked about. Mm-hmm. And we look forward to seeing you next weekend here yes. in Phoenix, Arizona. So um, God, God bless you. And we will talk to you soon. God bless you too. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye-bye. 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 Well, she is so refreshing. Yeah, full I of mean, energy and right? charged and on the on the right side of the that was amazing. That was a great conversation. Um, we even had some weird gremlins in the system in the middle of our conversation. Hopefully that won't show after we've, you know, spliced the two pieces together. Um our our lovely Zoom daughter, actually you know like signed us out in the middle of our conversation our I'm lovely you won't know when you see the end of this our lovely uh daughter will take care of everything yes she is our editor cassie todd jameson she's a huge blessing as well so we just have a couple of seconds to to sign out and get out of here but um i just always want to thank our our awesome guest and our amazing listeners thank you so much for um you know tuning in you know, I mentioned the thing about YouTube being such tiny numbers and um, people are finding this somewhere. We do see in our analytics that everywhere there's internet, we have viewers, we have listeners, and people are hungry for the information that our subject matter experts, um, our guests bring to the table. And we thank you for that. Um, Your time is your most finite commodity. And when you spend it with us, it's amazing. It's appreciated. It's recognized. Um, I want to also encourage you, if you want to rewatch this video 
or any of our videos, go to YouTube, like, and subscribe. Let them know that this is important to you. It makes it harder for them to suppress us and cancel us. Go to GunStreamer. That's another great place. Like and subscribe. There's the Opslin smartphone app. Um, let them know, you know, live out loud, have your voice heard that this is important to you. If you want to listen to the audio only version, go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the on demand tab and binge listens to your hot content. He's just Heart does content. that. He does that so beautifully. Yes. yes? Oh. And if you want to see photos and bios of Lyra or any of our guests, um, click the guest tab and it is a tremendous resource that's ever growing. And when you spend time there, we don't hate that. No. All right. Um, I want to take just a second and talk about a company that is helping to support the work that we do. If you go to patriothousehold.com, you will see an introductory video and a way that you can buy all of your household items. You don't have to go to those big box stores that don't share our values ever again. You can put your order in online. Everything's delivered directly to your door. It couldn't be any more easy, good stuff. easy than that. And it is amazing. And our favorite thing. I mean, we get our laundry soap, our shampoo, our toothpaste, like we do the whole works. But one of our favorite things are these amazing and delicious snacks right here. And the peach praline, I think has quickly become our favorite flavor. So um, patriothousehold.com, it supports financially, every order you place financially supports the Second Amendment Foundation that is actually filing lawsuits against the governor of new mexico as we speak as we're filming this that is happening and everywhere across the nation where there are bad laws popping up the second amendment foundation is first in to to push back on those things and make them answer for their misdeeds in the courts um and it also a little portion comes to us and it supports the work that we do and all the travel that i do to to get the message out there and um the work that i do my little band that i'm wearing today for faster saves lives it's not the ukraine colors it's not the ukraine flag it's the faster saves lives um it uh when when you support us it helps support all the things that we support and do so it there's really a, a cascading effect there so all right until next time we are going to pray for this nation please Pray for our people in leadership positions, right? Lyra just talked about her mentor. That's a leader, right? Let's pray for um, all leaders. Maybe some of those politicians that, what about the ones you don't really like, Dan? Pray for them too. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> but you don't know head. which way. Yes. You don't know if I'm shaking it up and down or down or sideways. Especially pray for the ones that frustrate us, right? All right. Until next time good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Bye-bye.